we'd like to welcome everyone to Sunday service at the Temple of Light. My name is Nayaswami Ananta. This is Nayaswami Maria. And we are very glad to have those of you who are here physically and those of you who are here on a cyber connection with us from around the world. Uh, it's interesting how the teachings have spread even further, uh, even though there's a pandemic. Uh, today's reading is Faith is a Call to Prayer. Prayer is a Call to Faith. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthews, chapter 7 and 21, we read, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith, and doubt not, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Paramahansa Yogananda showed by his own example that prayer is a power, provided we believe deeply in that power. When our thoughts and feelings are strongly focused and then united in growing awareness to the divine presence within, they can bring even seemingly unrealistic wishes to fulfillment. When Paramahansa Yogananda was in charge of his school in Ranchi, India, he took the boys on occasional outings to the surrounding countryside. There was a waterfall not far away, he told Swami Kriyananda, where I took them sometimes. It was dangerous to cross there. But I would cry out to the boys, do you believe in God? Yes, they would shout back enthusiastically. And so we always crossed in safety. Years later, after I'd gone to America, one of the teachers tried to do the same thing, but he lacked spiritual power. One of the boys slipped on a rock and was drowned. Thus, the master explained, belief alone is not enough. It must be united to one-pointed awareness, which leads to self-realization. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter underscores the necessity for such one-pointed concentration. Whenever the mind, fickle and restless, wanders off from its concentration, let the meditating yogi withdraw it resolutely, spurning every distraction, no matter how alluring, and bring it back again and again under the control of the self. Thus, through holy scriptures, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. Hello, everybody. I'd like to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. And this is uh, a follow-up to the chant we did, I will be thine always. Yogananda says a little more here. I may go far, farther than the stars, but I will be thine always. 
Devotees may come, devotees may go, but I will be thine always. I may bound over billows of many lives under sad, dark skies of loneliness, but I will be thine always. The whole world may ignore thee, engrossed as it is in thy gifts of money, power, and pleasure, mere playthings, but I will be thine always. Take everything from me if thou wilt, but Lord, I will be thine always. Death, disease, and every imaginable trial may riddle and rend me, yet while the embers of memory still flicker, look into my dying eyes. They will mutely say, I will be thine always. My voice may grow feeble, fail, and forsake me, and yet with bursting heart and with the silent voice of my soul, I will ever whisper to thee, my Lord, I will be thine always. <clears throat> so our subject today is on faith and prayer. And not only is this a very powerful topic, but I would say also one that is very comforting. Because when things are understandable, un uh, not understandable, when things seem to not have an answer, it is faith always that suffices. Yogananda talks about the difference <clears throat> between faith and prayer, and Swami Kriyananda illuminates this for us in this reading. Uh, Belief in prayer is the belief in faith is the distinction I want to focus on here for a moment. And belief is good. It's certainly good. It sets us in a direction. It gives us hope. But because not based in experience, it comes up short. It can only take us so far. Yogananda says when we rely on faith alone, then our religion, our spirituality becomes a dogma because there's nothing there personally within us in our relationship with the divine to back it up. We haven't tried to go deep into that inner realization and understanding, which is what faith is based in. It's an interesting thing about faith because we don't know how much of it we have, do we? <laughs> until you really come up against the wall and, and receive the great test. You, you might think you have faith, and then something big happens, and it rattles, it rattles our, our being, the whole of our being. Swami Kriyananda, <clears throat> when he would speak about his own life, would reference as really the greatest test that he ever endured that moment in time when he was removed from his guru's organization. 
And of course, the end of that story, we know it cleared the slate and by God's will and through his guru's grace, he was able to follow that aspect of his guru's mission and he founded Ananda. But it's a very interesting story because he was, and I'll just share a little part of it, the part relevant to what I'm talking about now, but when he was in India, immediately prior to that, when he visited India, he would visit the great saint, Ananda Mahima, whom Yogananda speaks of in his autobiography of a yogi. And on this occasion, prior to this event in his life, she said to him, would you like to come live here with us in the ashram? She invited him to make a life for himself there in India in her ashram. They were very close, a special kind of closeness, and she referred to him as her little chela, her little child. Very, very sweet. And later he would wonder at those words. Did she know what was going to happen? Was she trying to soften the blow, you know, so I wouldn't have to go through it? But in that moment, he answered her, and he said, I have given this life, this incarnation, to doing the will of my guru, his mission, to sharing his teachings, and that's what I will do. And of course, she understood that, and no more was said. And he returned to America. The event happened. He was cast out alone. Would he even be able to do his guru's will? It was the biggest test he ever fa faced. You can only imagine. We can only imagine. But Ananda Moima wrote to him and she said, accept this as your guru's grace. Again, a great call to the faith within him to be able to see the journey forward, to see it through. Even when we have faith, it is not easy to meet our tests sometimes. It demands an incredible courage, an incredible act of will, and struggle on a lot of levels. And again, we are in that place and we don't know how deep our faith is. We can sometimes wonder if it will see us through or fear that it won't see us through. There's a marvelous account in the life of William the Conqueror, and Yogananda said he was that incarnation. He was William the Conqueror. It's one of the couple of lifetimes that he shared, previous lifetimes, incarnations that he shared with his disciples. And in William's life, it was his destiny, it was the will of God as he saw it, felt it, experienced, and had faith in that he was to conquer England. And the conquering of England would set a whole new way of civilization and society for the Western world. It would establish this, not easily, not easily but it would change the course of human destiny. And William 
spent months gathering his troops for this battle against the other people who thought they would also conquer England. There were a few of them, and they had big armies. And William was stationed there on the uh, beaches of Normandy, and they were waiting for fair weather to cross the English Channel. They had prepared and prepared and prepared all summer long. But the weather was foul, and it didn't let up. And days went by, and weeks went by, and months went by. About two months went by, and his troops were growing restless. You know, they were anxious to get back home to their families, to the land, to the harvest, and not just keep sitting there on the beach. I mean, tens of thousands of them, can you imagine? Surviving there, getting the food they needed, the rest they needed, the shelter they needed. They didn't have it. So a couple of months went by, and finally William, you know, trying to hold it all together, decided they were going across that channel. And they returned back by horrific bad weather. They lost ships and they lost men. Stranded again for two more weeks on the beach, waiting for good weather. And finally it cleared. And William, this was a terrific test for him, this waiting, this requiring of great patience and great faith in the divine. He felt it was God's will. And that's all he wanted. It's all he lived for. So the weather cleared, and they make it across the channel. And he lands at the beach. And he comes charging up the shore. And he falls down. He trips and falls. And a cry goes up from the troops. And this is indeed a bad omen. Their commander, their leader, has fallen to the ground. After everything else, now he's fallen to the ground. And they're horrified, and they start to lose faith and hope. And in that instance, William seizes the sand on the beach, raises up his hands, and shouts as loud as he can, I am so determined to conquer this land for God that I have seized it in both my hands. And his troops went wild. It went completely wild. He had arrested the moment and completely laid that foundation by which the course of human history would be altered. Just in that moment, he commanded that faith within him, in God's power, in God's mission, through him. It's all he lived for. And there it was, that one-pointed awareness. To build our faith, we need to believe in the possibility, with God's help, that we can succeed, that we can realize our goals, that we can realize our spiritual aspirations, that we can do what God has sent us to do in this life. Yes, he has sent us, little old us, unimportant us. God has a mission. God has a work. God has a plan through each one of us, however it looks. Yogananda, in speaking about our spiritual practices, he said, he said this of Kriya Yoga, but it applies to the whole gamut of our spiritual practice. Practice regularly and faithfully. He said, if you practice faithfully, 
your practices, your meditation, you will approach the guru of all gurus. And then he said, even seemingly unimaginable wishes will be realized. He's talking about the power of faith to conquer delusion, the power of faith to come out ahead of maya and all of the chaos that this world utilizes ingeniously to try to distract us. There's a wonderful story of one of Yogananda's disciples, Dr. Lewis. And Dr. Lewis, at this time, was living in Boston. That's where he was when he met his guru, Yogananda. And he was a dentist and practicing. And one day to the office came a friend of his. This was pretty somewhat early on in his relationship with his guru in this life. And a friend came and tried to dissuade him from his interest in the path and in this odd-looking Indian guru and spoke very badly of Yogananda and went on and on and on, just pounding Dr. Lewis, trying to get him to change the life course he had taken. And after a while, the man left. And Dr. Lewis was trembling. He was just shaking. And he sat down, just trying to collect himself and thinking of his guru. And in the next moment, there was a bang on the door, and it burst open, and there was Yogananda. And the amazing thing about it, which Yogananda said later, was he was way across town. (laughs) He was miles from where Dr. Lewis was in that office. He was going along on a little bus, and all of a sudden, he was aware of his disciple and the trouble he was in. And immediately got off the bus, walked as fast as he could, set his course just straight across town on foot, and came charging in the door. And he said, are you okay, my friend? That's, that's what, as disciples, we have faith in, that unconditional, omnipresent love and power of God and guru. We know it's there. And it's what we have to, day by day, repeatedly tap into, because everything else is trying to dissuade us. Everything else is trying to rattle us and get us a little bit off-center so that we lose our focus. But that unconditional love, that omnipresence and power of, the, of God through the guru is ever there for the disciple, is ever there for each one of us. And we just have to remind ourselves, all of this, all of this wildness, is part of a divine plan. That's what we have to trust in. 
That's what we have to build our faith in. Divine Mother knows what's going on. I remember years ago, Ananta and I were uh, in the Southwest. We were at Arches National Monument. And we had been there for days, a very dry and austere environment, stunningly beautiful in its own way, just exquisite. But I was so dry and dehydrated. I said, Ananta, we have got to get near water. I just have to be. I have to be near water. I'm going to, I'm just going to shrivel right here and dry up. And so we went down to the Colorado, which was real nearby. And we set up our tent, and unbelievably, a storm was coming in. And we moved the tent up higher because, you know, flash floods are a reality in that environment. And Ananta went back to the park to try to get a campsite for the next day. It's, it's first come, first serve. It's a, you know, you just don't get them lots of times. And uh, so I was there, you know, setting up everything, and then and this storm was coming in. And then I just sat there to meditate in the tent. And all of a sudden, the storm let loose. And it was one of those ones, you know, that you've heard. I mean, they're just primal in their nature. The earth is splitting open. <laughs> you know, bolts are going across the sky. The rain is just pelting the tent and this flimsy little tarp. And it's just, it's craziness. It's total craziness. It sounds like the end of the world it did to me. But the oddest thing, you know, I didn't, I didn't get anxious about it. I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm here alone and ah, you know, and it's dark. I just started to feel increasingly calm and just so peaceful. And it got louder and it got louder and it got louder. It was just crazy. And I just got calmer and calmer and more and more peaceful. I just had to ask myself, what is going on? And then I realized the obvious, Divine Mother's in charge. She's doing her thing. She's doing her thing of creating and destroying and watering and feeding and keeping it all going. And those were the sounds of just Divine Mother in motion. That was the chaos of Divine Mother in motion. And it was beautiful and it was calming. You see, that's the, another aspect of our faith. When we're rooted in it deeply, it's very calming. It's very comforting. As that reading, I will be thine always, take away all of it. Take it away, Divine Mother. I don't need it. I have you. And that's the place we need to keep coming back to. I don't need to get anxious. I don't need to get worried. I don't need to feel lonely. I don't need to fear what is going to happen next or have to know the end of the story, how it's going to all turn out. I don't have to know that. You know, I, don't, I can just do what I'm doing. I can just serve at what I'm doing. And I don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, are they going to make me do this for the next 50 years like Ananta and Maria? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, what does it matter? What does it matter what we're doing? Divine Mother is taking care of it all. And the whole point, as Bhagavati and Ramesha sang for us, is to be free. It's for that faith to free us in our hearts. 
a wonderful song by Swamiji, Home is a Green Hill. And he says, it sings along and it says, but when I'm silent, free from all care, I discover my homes everywhere. That's the actualization of faith right there. It's why meditation is so important. We need to balance those, the scales of duality, bring it all back to center into our faith in the divine plan, in the fact, in the realization within each one of us that Divine Mother is the one in charge. She's going to see it through. She's going to see us through this incarnation. Thank you and bless you all. Keep calling him, keep calling him, keep calling him, whether temple of unceasing prayer believe that he's approaching Awaiting 
thy coming, though it be eternity, keep calling him, keep calling him, whether he replies or not, keep calling him. Even when there's no reply, never let your longing die, and call to him, keep calling him, remain persistent, undepressed, through dark and seeming silence. If in the midst of life, disease, and death, you play the dancer, yet keep calling.